Welcome back to Enlighten Up. You are listening to episode 20, Waking Up in 5D, Fairies, and the Interdimensional Lost and Found with Maureen St. Germain. We are so happy to have Maureen join us today on this episode. She leads workshops in personal development and spiritual awakening. And as a seeker, she shares the knowledge she's gained from her studies in ancient truths. She's so insightful, compassionate, entertaining, and funny, and her primary focus is developing tools to support individuals in their personal expansion and spiritual awakening. We were floored with some of the excellent information that she had to share with us today, and we promised you a show on Ascension and the difference between 3D and 5D, and this is the show you've been waiting for. We're going to get into the deeper depths of the dimensions, but we're also going to get into fairies, the elementals. Many people believe they don't exist because we can't see them with our physical eye. But Lisa and I have seen them and so has Maureen. So we're going to get a little uh, deeper into the fairies and Michael will uh, be stretching his mind to understand this concept as I'm sure some of you will too. But We were also going to go into what is the interdimensional lost and found? Have you ever put something down, known exactly where you placed it, and you go back and it's not there anymore? And then perhaps a few minutes or hours later, you go back and it's sitting exactly where it was supposed to when you last went? Well, you're going to find out why that happens. All of that's coming up in episode 20. So let's jump in and find out what Maureen has to tell us. Welcome back to Enlighten Up, everyone. You are listening to episode 20, and I am here with Lisa and Michael, and we are excited to do the show with you because we have a very special guest with us. We have Maureen St. Germain joining us, and she is the author of the newest book, Waking Up in 5D, A Practical Guide to Multidimensional Transformation, which provides tools and teachings to guide you in the transition from the polarized mindset of the third dimension to the joy and love of the fifth dimensional vibrations welcome to our show maureen how are you i am really good and i am super excited to be on with you guys thank you thank you for being here uh we're i'm excited i know lisa and michael are too because we have been getting onto the topic of ascension and 5d and 3d and michael's always telling us that his brain is 3d and it's not 5d like ours and we're trying to explain to him what's really going on (laughs) so we think you're going to be a perfect asset to have on the show today to introduce to our audience what is ascension and what are the differences between all the different dimensions Sounds good. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So um, would you just like to give us a little quick bio on you and just introduce yourself to the audience and how you got to where you are today? Okay. Um, I grew up on a farm. I'm a farm girl at heart, um, but I also like the big city. I'm the mother of four kids. I have always been uh, connected intuitively And I pursued spiritual knowledge from a number of uh, different kinds of esoteric trainings. And over the years, I became more and more plugged in. For the last 20 years, I traveled all over the world teaching uh, metaphysical uh, training called the Merkaba through the Flower of Life um, training. And what happened to me is once I had activated my Merkaba, 
which people can do spontaneously as well as learning it through a training, um, I was able to start uh, getting more connected to the divine. And I reached a point where then I learned how to open the Akashic Records and um, give uh, information from the 11th dimension where the Akashic Records are. And then I opened a training school for that. And um, I've continued to travel all over. I've taught in 24 countries and I have students worldwide. Um, I'm a direct channel to source. Um, I have also been named the practical mystic by numerous people, individuals, as well as a, a woman who wrote a book called Famous Wisconsin Mystics. And I like to think that my mission is to help people understand the esoteric principles that I download all the time. So I'm constantly bringing in new information and then making it understandable to where we are. So I'm a translator. Wow. <laughs> You've got quite the resume. I know, Michael, are you, do you, do you even know what a Merkaba is? No. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about that briefly. Um, the Merkaba is a geometric shape that's uh, two tetrahedrons that are nested equally to form a star. Lots of people know the shape uh, and they would recognize it when they see it. it you could call it the um, Star of David in 3D, for example. Okay. And it's made up of one of the platonic solids, which is the uh, tetrahedron. There are five platonic solids. The most common one that people know is the cube. And the quality of a, of a uh, platonic solid is what makes it so special. And that is the face is the same on all the sides. The angles are the same on all the sides. So think of a square and then think of a cube. So the cube has four faces that are all squares. And each of the angles are 90 degrees, no matter which way you turn it, no matter which way you look. Um, and the platonic solids are all like that. They all have that same quality of, being able to be inscribed in a sphere and produce the points that you would find on a sphere equally. And they have the same size face and the same size angle in all directions. So one of the platonic solids, as I mentioned, was the tetrahedron. And the star tetrahedron is the shape of the most commonly used Merkaba. A person probably could make a Merkaba out of any of the shapes of any of the platonic solids. But this is the easiest one to learn. And I taught it for about 20 years. It takes about five minutes to do the actual meditation. And you're actually calling in the fields and activating them. Um, and uh, it takes maybe two days to learn the techniques and understand the mathematics and the geometry behind it. And I'm one of those people that I could have slept through geometry in high school and I still would have pulled an A. And I took my final exam in astronomy orally this, this cracks me up because, you know, there's all kinds of, of um, mathematical equations that you do in astronomy. And um, my school had a, a, a process where you could actually take your final exam orally. And I will never forget the moment the teacher asked me a question that I knew I knew the answer, but I couldn't remember what the answer was. We've all had those moments like, I know I know this, but I can't remember. And the phone rang and she took the call. When she was off the phone, I knew the answer, and the rest is history. So I, I've always loved math. I've always had this great love and appreciation for math and also the trees. I love nature, but I especially love the trees. And I have this amazing 
a set of experiences with trees that are just another, a whole other storyline. Someday we can share that. <laughs> um, so the mathematics activates your template. And if you want to think about, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make a joke about myself. When I took sewing in high school, I made a potholder. And it was supposed to be a square, but my potholder was a trapezoid. And I didn't get very good grade because it wasn't a square. And I don't know how that happened, but that's what happened. And, and so I would say to our audience, all of us aim for the perfection. And sometimes we miss. Sometimes we're vibrating something that's not the true. You know, there's this phrase in drafting called truing up or aligning the line. So, you know, a draftman might draft something freehand. And then they true it with the rulers and the curves, you know, the curved rulers and things that they have. So what the geometry does when you activate it around your body is you're truing up your blueprint or your vibration so that you are so aligned that you're like a um, um, combination lock that lines up perfectly. You know, like those suitcases that have three things on them and they all have to line up in the same number or it's, you know, the combination that you've set up, and then everything opens up, and that's what happens. And then what happened with me is once I opened up that channel, I began to use the energy and the ability to bring the information to connect higher and higher. And then, of course, when I started working in the Akasha Records, that took me even higher. Oh, um, that's really cool. I've never heard of the Merkaba um, explain like a combination lock like that, but the way you said it, it just makes so much sense that once you op once you line everything up, then everything just opens up for you. Exactly, and this is true for everybody. And and the funny thing is, um, for a lot of years, people would um, learn the Merkaba, and then they'd have these cool things happening, uh, awarenesses and and skill sets and all kinds of good stuff, because they had then the ability to tap in and get good information. Wow, M Michael. <laughs> I'm going to ask this just because I want to make sure because if you don't understand it, then maybe someone no, else No, I doesn't. don't understand it. <laughs> I'm trying to. And I, and I did well, I thought, in geometry and astronomy, but apparently I failed a certain side of the subject. Um, so I guess, I guess my confusion is where does this have to do with what we're talking about now? Everyone has all the platonic solids around their body. When we align with it we are able to be more plugged in to who we really are which is our divine self think of a car that runs on a road an old dirt road that has ruts in it you know you can drive anywhere you want but if you land in the ruts you're going to go where the ruts are and so when you align yourself with the actual divine blueprint that we're made up of what happens is we get to turn on our abilities that we used to think only belong to the mystics or the gifted ones. Think of it like, Michael, like your spiritual car, like it's your vehicle. Yeah, I often use that example, that it's like a car. You know, if you, if you, um, if you lived in a world where nobody drove a car, but there were cars, you know, sitting in people's, field somewhere and somebody came along from somewhere else and said, oh, you have a car. I'll show you how we can make fuel 
let's see, we can tune this thing up and we can go places. And you could go further than you could walk. It's kind of like that. So with your activated Merkaba, you actually are able to do more than you could do without it. Okay. So do you do you understand that, Michael, just because you can, I think it's because you can't see it with your physical eyes right now that you don't know it's there. But once you activate it, this is what happens. Okay. I can go with that. Cool. Okay. So I got to tell you, Maureen, before we get into this, because I want to get into your book, uh-huh. you are like the cheese board to my wine right now. Okay. Because I reading your book was just, I feel like a kid at Christmas right now and I have a floor filled with presents and I don't know which one to open up first. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I'm getting wonderful feedback like that. People are telling me, and now going through it with a highlighter. Other people are saying they're taking notes. I'm thinking, you know, from all the feedback I'm getting, I'm thinking maybe I need to start a little study group or something, you know, and just. I will join. I will join. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well. Could you please explain to our audience what is the difference between 3D and 5D? Because I'm sure that. Many people don't even know that there is such a thing as 3D, that that's just what life is and what is 5D. Well, I think you've got the handle on 3D. That's what life is. And 5D is what the traditions, the religions, and so on, would tell us is heaven. So it's you and I, um, but we're plugged into God. We're heavenly. Our heavenly self is aware of our connection with the divine we we know God in a sense, we know our divine self, whatever you want to call it. It also means that we're aware of the environment around us and we're connected enough to it that we only want what's good for both me and the environment. So I'll tell a story about a guy that I work. When I used to work in the corporate world, this guy who I worked with was quite well off and he had this really hot car, and he was trying to sell it. And one day he came to work and said, I sold my car. And we were so excited for him. And then he said, but I sold it to my son, and I didn't get nearly the money for it that I wanted. And his son was a graduate of law school, you know, just starting out. And he was kind of um, feeling bad about letting his car go for quite a bit less money than he had hoped. And I looked at him, and I said, yes, but Ray, think about how proud you would have been of your son if he had gotten that deal from a stranger. And his eyes got really big, and he burst out laughing. And he said, you're right. And so that's the that's 3D. In 5D, when you're buying a car, you want to make sure that the person you're buying it from, even if it's a dealer, that they're getting enough money that they can manage and that you're getting a car that's a good enough price. You're not interested in trying to get a better deal than the next guy, and you're not interested in trying to, you know, for lack of a better word, um, take advantage of someone. So 5D is you're a little more plugged in to the reality, and it means you're sensitive. So it also means you're not likely to cause harm to others, and you're in this nice, yummy state of joy. It's another way to describe it is when you fall in love. When you fall in love, if you're in, if you're driving a car and somebody pulls in front of you, you don't even get mad. Oh, they must be having a bad day. If you get bad service in a restaurant, but you're with your beloved that you're like head over heels in love with, oh, the, maybe their mother died yesterday. You know, you're like so understanding of everybody's um, misbehavior that you don't have a need 
to to uh, correct them or or make them bad or wrong because it, it's different. Um, I sat down at a restaurant in the airport the other day and I was trying to place my order and <clears throat> there was a special deal where you could enter your airline number and get a big discount. So I was trying to do that and I wasn't succeeding and this guy came up and um, the, a waiter and started to help me and then he had, he had to go take care of something so then another waiter came up and he started helping me and then a third person came up and she was helping me and then a fourth person came up, finally got my order in and I'm just sitting there for a few moments and I look at the lady next to me and I smile and nod at her and she said, you know, when I sat down, no one talked to me. No one said hello or welcomed me and no one helped me with my order. And I looked at her and I said, isn't that interesting? <laughs> it's so different from that. And she said, yes, I know. I saw the whole thing. And I just gave her a big smile and I said, you want to know my secret? And she said, yes, I do. And I said, I ask for a day of heaven on earth for me and everyone I come in contact with. I have been practicing that since reading your book. <laughs> It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I was just explaining to Michael before before you jumped on the call with us um, that 5D isn't a location. It's more of like a vibration. And um, we were just kind of talking about exactly. the difference of vibration, like just, I guess, from an emotional standpoint, because everyone understands emotions. So, you know, kind of like 3D is when you're judging things, when you're having bad days, when everything's kind of going wrong, when you look outside and it's raining, you're like, man, the weather sucks. Or like if you're in a really good mood and it's raining, you're like, I'm going to go jump in the puddles, you know, and, and that's like the difference between kind of 3D, 5D. Um, yeah. And another way to say it is to talk about clothes. You know, um, 3D is is your everyday clothes and, and 5D is this this uh, uniform, if you will, or this, um, attire that glows and moves with you and feels good on and looks awesome. So it's a, it's a, a form of an expression of who you are. And when, you know, we, we know sound waves, for example, have different vibrations. We know colors have different vibrations, but what if you had the capacity to comprehend that, um, our reality also has its own vibration, and we call that 3D. And even though we say 3D, you know, is a certain vibration, it's also the quality of um, the the distance between third to fourth, and then fourth to fifth. So it's found in music. Now, Michael, are you a musician? Do you know anything about music? No. <laughs> I listen to it and. Sometimes I enjoy it. Sometimes I think it's crap. But no, I have no musical talent whatsoever in my body. And so you never played an instrument or learned the I scale. play instruments. That doesn't mean anything good came from it. Oh, well, I, I failed my piano exam in school. I'm, I'm not suggesting you were good. I'm just asking if you understand <laughs> music in terms of like the musical scale. Uh, no. <laughs> All right. All right. So I want you to listen because we're on the air. I can do this. And it's not something I would do normally, but I'm really, you know, like going off the edge here. And I don't consider myself a good singer. So you just have to bear with me. 
if you were to sing the scale like we heard in the sound of music do re mi fa so la ti do 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 you can hear the octave every time i say do that's the eight so it's one two three four five four three two one so think of the <clears throat> the, the dimensions as three and four and five and what happens is we we humanity is actually not at the bottom of third dimension we are kind of in the middle of it and we're sliding through fourth to get to fifth and the reason we're doing that is because we don't need fourth to go to as a vibrational expression because that's where the emotions are that's where the astral plane is there's a lot of energy there that is still polarized and still uh, set into those extremes of polarity the vibration is much much faster and so we either want to go to five or we want to go to the octave which we can do on our mental meditation stuff and so <clears throat> those of you who are musicians and you know this if you play the third and then the fourth the fourth always wants to resolve to the fifth or back down to the third um and so we're always going to be either at third or we're going to slide up to fifth there's one other quality though i want to explain about this and that is in fifth dimension we have the capacity to experience third so one of the things that happens is when you're fifth dimensional you might not know it at first and that's what happened to me i actually figured it out or found out almost by accident because what was happening to me is stuff was disappearing and it wasn't stuff you know like coming in late and putting your keys down and not remembering where you put them it's you know like a crystal that you know your kids aren't taking or um your sunglasses that you took off and put away and i'd come back and they weren't where i put them and it hadn't been that long for me to forget or to me for me to say you know i don't remember what i did so i started asking since i had a connection you know where did my stuff go and i was always told it was in a higher dimension i could not imagine what that meant except maybe you know like um monkeys in space you know we send monkeys ahead so i'm thinking maybe i'm sending my stuff ahead since we're going to go to higher dimension you know maybe i'm practicing with my stuff and i didn't really understand and then one day i began to give my students new information and it was based on another experience where i was in the car and i actually heard myself say what was wrong with the car and when i announced you know first i said what's wrong what's wrong with the car and then i immediately announced what it was you know like i knew what i was talking about and the only thing i know about cars is that you have to change the oil every 3000 or 5000 miles so when that happened i burst out laughing because i thought it was hilarious that i should say you know this complicated thing that was going on with my car and in meditation i asked how come i knew how was it possible that i knew and i was told you asked what was going on so that's what i began teaching my students you know when your stuff disappears when stuff happens you don't understand always ask the what question what's going on not who not when not where not why because those are all collecting data so you can get an answer or figure it out so one day when something disappeared without even realizing it i asked the question what's going on and i was told more in your in a higher dimension when you put it down and that's when i began to realize oh my gosh if i'm doing it so is everybody else in my classes because they'd already confirmed that their stuff was disappearing and they were calling it back by saying look i want it back 
But then there was one more piece to it. My 16-year-old came in one day, put something in his backpack, dropped it on the floor, came in to the kitchen, starts telling me some story. Says, here, Mom, I'll show you what I'm talking about. And he goes back to the backpack and reaches in the top right where he put this thing, and it wasn't there. And his eyes get kind of big, and he said, Mom, I just put it here. And I said, I know, I saw you do it. By now, he's got everything out of the backpack. Nothing is, the thing he's looking for is not there. And I said to him, oh, honey, you know, it's kind of funny when I think about it now, because I was in my own home, you know, with my own kid, and I didn't really give it a thought. And I said, oh, honey, it's probably in a higher dimension. We'll just ask for it to come back. Now, can you imagine what my 16-year-old must have thought at that point? (laughs) So... I, um, we came back in the kitchen, we finished, he finished the story, and then I said, okay, now go back and look. And it was right where I left it. And that's when I knew I wasn't making it up, because it's one thing for me to have these experiences and get answers, but it's entirely another for you to have that experience with another person. And, it, you know, like he was the most grounded of all my kids, so I knew, I knew it wasn't, uh, I knew it was real. Wow, I'm you know? so I'm so glad you brought that up, Maureen, because I actually have a story that I wanted to share that relates to that. And I've been telling Lisa and Michael that I was like, I'm going to wait to share it on the podcast because I know it's going to come up. And um, so my dad had just, he's 71, and he started to have his spiritual awakening this summer, which I didn't know was going to happen in my lifetime, but it has. And um, he had a very profound experience when I was home during the summer. And I just got home over the weekend and within less than 12 hours of me being home, he had his second experience. You're activating him. (laughs) (laughs) And so the next morning after I'd flown in that night, he were in the car and uh, he goes, you know, Nicole, I've had another experience. And I said, oh, I go do tell. And he goes, well, he's like, you know how I have this, he has this, um, I don't know if it's a mole or something on his face that he's picked at and it's been bleeding and he's been wanting to get it looked at. Um, he's had two removed before. It's like a skin thing. And he's, there's, I guess, some sort of dermatologist he's been wanting to go to, but he can't remember the name. And he's like, I know I wrote it down on a piece of paper. And he goes, anyways, I was sitting at my desk this morning and the window was open and I was, I, I felt it on my face. I had rubbed my finger across it and I was like, oh, you know, it's been weeks now that I've been looking for this piece of paper and I could have sworn I had put it where I thought I had, but it wasn't there. And so he said out loud, he goes, I really wish that I could just find that piece of paper so I could call the doctor and know where it is because he doesn't, he didn't even remember where the doctor was. At that very moment, a gust of wind came in through the window, blew up a piece of paper on his desk and revealed the piece of paper that had the doctor's number and name on it that he had been searching for weeks. Ooh. That's yummy. I like it. Ooh. Right? <laughs> and I'm just like, Dad, you were in 5D when you asked. <laughs> The thing is, when you say that, when a person says, you know, I just wish, and you're like in this open state, that actually happened to me when I was out in my garden, and I had been traveling a lot, and I had this beautiful garden in the backyard that was kind of like the cultivated part around the patio, and it was looking pretty ratty. It was getting too many weeds, and it was just a mess, and I'm yelling at the elementals, and I'm saying, you know, look at this place. It looks horrible. You know, like you talk to a teenager. 
I thought you guys were going to help me. And then I said, I, you know, I really wish I could hear you guys. And at that moment, it was like somebody flipped a switch and I could hear all these voices. Wow. Explain, explain to Michael what elementals are, because I know Michael doesn't. I know Lisa knows. (laughs) So, so the elementals are the gnomes and the fairies and the elves. So this gnome steps forward. I can see him in my third eye, but I don't see him with my real eyes or anything. And he is shaking his finger at me and he said, you never asked us. And I said, I most certainly did. You know, I'm ready to argue. Don't you remember when I put in all those tulips and we put dolomite with them and I blessed them and I asked you guys to look after them? And he said, oh, no, you expected us to help you. Now, at that moment, I knew I wasn't making up this conversation. You know, up until then, I wasn't sure if it was all in my head, you know? Yeah. And when he said, no, no, you expected us, I just went, oh, no. <laughs> so I know Lisa's got some story, a story to share, but um, Michael, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I, I have the hardest problem. Fairies. I, uh, I have the hardest problem of believing in fairies, gnomes, and Eskimos or whatever you guys else talk about. Uh, The only thing I was thinking when you're saying that is because I grew grew up Catholic, we had a saint for everything. We had a saint for this, a saint for that, you know, ask ask the saint to intercede for you and you'll find your wallet. Yeah, help you find stuff, sure. Yeah, yeah, and so we had our own version of, I guess, elements, which is the first time I've heard of it tonight. Elementals, my bad. Uh, <laughs> that we uh, that I'm that I'm sharing with, or that I'm hearing about. Um, but I kind of crack up to this because Nicole and I, we have mutual people that we know that used to talk a lot about fairies. <laughs> and I just, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to say, I literally roll my eyes every time I hear it because it, it's just so child's fantasy to me that it's really hard to adapt something that we looked at as like theater as growing up as a real thing in this world or in this astral plane or whatever you guys discovered. I have to interject there, Michael, and say, but, you know, we've talked about before about, you know, the matrix and the dummying us down and, you know, this is what you Yeah, I know, but like we're so eager to believe that we're limited beings, but we're, you know, God forbid, we believe that there's small little creatures out there actually trying to help us throughout our day. Like, that's crazy. I remember Nicole showing me a video of a fairy and like, that's a mosquito. I mean, that's a mosquito. What are you talking about? (laughs) It was uh, not a mosquito. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, what's interesting is you, you carry the name of Michael. Yes. And um, the the great archangel Michael was an elemental initially. That was his very first uh, expression in matter. And I would say to you, don't take my word for it. You say to the elementals, all right, you guys, if you're real, I need you to prove it to me. And you wait. Something's going to happen and you're going to go, oh, crap. Now I have to bite. Now I have to eat humble pie. <laughs> you know, Lisa and I totally believe in fairies. We have our own fairies. Um, they watched after my cat, so that's all I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did we have a story for Lisa? Yeah, Lisa, tell tell the story. Tell the story. Well, I just have I have two cats, and um, they're still kids. They just turned a year old uh, in September. But 
So last summer, Nicole was actually staying with me and I had just decided to start letting them go outside. They were like, I don't know, six or eight months old or something. So I let them go outside and they would take off and, you know, they would kind of stick around the front door and then they would take off. And when I would call them, usually they would come and then occasionally they wouldn't. So the first couple of times they wouldn't come, Nicole was here and she's like, oh, I'm going to send my fairy to go look for them. And I mean, it was literally within seconds. We would just ask the fairy if she could please go help round up the kitty and bring them home. And, and it was like, they came running home like somebody was chasing them. Like they were like, okay, okay, okay. And like, you know, come to the front door. So I love it. I love it. Yeah. We were actually looking for 20. We were calling their names for 20 minutes. And then as soon as I sent the fairy, it was less than 30 seconds. We heard him meowing. And I'm like, that's Johnny. She goes, no, it's not. I'm like, no, that's Johnny. And he all of a sudden he's running over to us and home. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, the fairies help us with a lot of things like relationships and helping us keep our emotions balanced. And, you know, guys, they kind of keep it locked in, so they're not as likely to need that kind of help. At least on the surface, they don't. Maybe they need it, you know, when things are bigger that happen. But I had a similar experience. I was babysitting the family cat that really belonged to my son when he got married and went on the honeymoon. And um, But the cat was old and blind. And she'd been at my house, you know, for years before she went and lived with my son when he got his own place and she knew how to open the back door, but she didn't ever close it. And I forgot that she knew how to open the back door and I opened the screen door so she could, you know, feel the wind and watch the birds and stuff. And the next time I checked, she was gone and I called her for hours and hours. And I was terrified because I thought, Oh my God, you know, I'm not going to be the person that had the cat get lost or die or something on their honeymoon. That would not be cool. So I did the same thing. I called the queen of the elementals and I asked them to bring her back. And she was, I don't know where she was, but I went over to the neighbor's house. I followed my guidance and I kept calling and calling and finally she turned up, but she did not come when I called before, you know, and I busted her all the way back. <laughs> but I picked her up, made her, you know, walk back with me. So. Well, you know what, Michael, um, Will you take on that mission? Will you uh, put it out there and see what happens and then report back to us? What? Throw throw a fairy under the bus by saying, prove it to me, doing something? You, okay. First so, of all, no one's throwing anyone under a bus. <laughs> I, I, you know, Nicole, I told you this many times before. I do not like to test faith by saying, prove it to me. I don't believe, like, it, God works that way. And, and so... If you want me to sit, wish upon a fairy, fairy, I, I can do it, and I'll let you know what happens. Sure. All right. You know, I I wanted to ask or just you know say something about five D and the way that you were explaining it, Maureen. I feel like um, I studied the Course in Miracles, and and when you were talking about it, it really reminded me of you know when you're in five D, it's that it's those moments when you realize that you're not disconnected from anyone else, that there's that true feeling of oneness that, you know, you connect with a person that you forget that you have differences and you remember that you're the same and you just have that feeling of joy. Like you, somebody was saying, you know, or you, you were Maureen about falling in love and you're just, 
you know, you're thinking, oh, that person's just having a bad day or, you know, you're driving and nothing's a problem. People cut you off. You know, you're just, you're literally connecting with that person as if you were one. Right. As if they're you. Right. You find that common ground. And it's interesting because you're not really analyzing it like we do in 3D. It's more like a, um, a reaction that is a new normal. You know, you, you hear people say things that are rude or abrupt, and your new normal gives a different kind of an answer. So you tend to not take offense when people say things that are uh, hurtful or inappropriate or obnoxious because you don't hear it that way. And, you know, I've had tons of examples. You know, I, I remember one time when my, um, my stepsister said, you know, we're too old to be sisters after I had introduced her as my stepsister. You know, our parents didn't get married until after we were in our 40s. And my younger sister had died like six weeks earlier. And I said to her, you know, I just lost a sister and I'm just so happy to have another one. Now, in her world, she was an only the only girl so she didn't want to give up that status and have to share you know being the only girl and I look at it going you know I'm one of a bunch of girls and I'm I lost somebody I'm so glad I got a new one and so um we don't hear the the um pain that others are suffering from and instead we only see the blessing or the opportunity but that's not the whole deal. You know, being 5D is way more than that. And one of the things I, I try to tell people is, you know, you, we've all had these experiences where, where, you know, something that was disappeared has shown up. Another example that I love to give has to do with time. And that is that in 5D, you're actually observing the reality before others. And sometimes you notice that you're observing and other times you don't. Sometimes you notice and then dismiss it because... It's, it's doesn't, we don't have a framework to accept it or compute it, so we just kind of dismiss it or drop it. But <clears throat> I was uh, explaining to uh, another host, another radio host, about how you could be sitting in traffic, and maybe you're the third or fourth car back, and the light changes, and you see the lights change, and no one moves. And then all of a sudden, people start to move. And you're not upset because you're just in a, you're not in a rushed place, you're fine. And you forget about it. But when I name it, you know, he said, that happens to me all the time. So in 5D, you're actually observing the reality before it hits 3D. So, you know, that goes back to that whole thing about it's like Russian dolls and that they're nested. And the, the layering of the dimensions, one on top of the other, allows you to experience the, uh, ex the um, action in 3D before the 3D 3D years do. And once you notice that you could do that, then you'll see it. You'll even be more cognizant of it. And the benefit of doing that and, and acknowledging that is that you get to claim that you are 5D. You get to claim that you've had 5D experiences way more than you thought. And what that does is empowers you to be more 5D. And then you can choose to be proactive. And one of the ways I like to encourage people to be proactive is to pay attention to your words. Now, again, I didn't think about this. What happened is I experienced it. And you know how when somebody um, speaks a certain way 
and you know that it's like racially incorrect or you know it's inappropriate and, and you kind of cringe because you're thinking to yourself you know where have they been the last 50 years or 20 years you know they shouldn't say those things and um you find yourself cringing on the inside well i found myself reacting that way to everyday words and i started like no, noting what words were t- triggering me and they were all words that were polarity based like right and wrong um i can't i have to that all anchor in a version of the polarity that anchors you to 3d and so then i as i tracked them then i started thinking okay well let me make a list for people and let's figure out if we can find new words that would allow them to express their feelings without uh using the words that were so polarity based now of course i'm sure everybody is at one point or another talked about some great food and it's to blank for and i won't even say it um but i just i i don't use that phrase anymore because it sounds funky to say it's to live for um but that's like not a cool thing to say um and another thing that i really encourage people to do is drop the have to you know you don't have to go get the kids after child care you don't have to meet your boss you don't have to um you know get ready for a party you're choosing to do those things you want to do them and when you say have to you're implying that there's some outside energy that controls the drama in your life and is insisting that you do it by some standard that maybe you haven't subscribed to Ooh, you know what? You you just touched on something that um, I wanted to to bring up because I read in your book and it's just it really resonated with me. It's something that I've always felt, but it wasn't until I read your words that it kind of really all clicked together as to why I felt that way. Okay. But when you talk about how people want to be seen as a good person and how that's really ego and uh-huh. we do things so that people think we're good people um, uh-huh. or see us that way. Can you, can you get into that? Cause that I feel is, happens a lot. I mean, I know I've been guilty of that several times and, and it's only been, I guess in, in the last, I, I want to say last couple of years where I've really fully, stepped into um who i am authentically and not being apologetic for it and um owning it as opposed to trying to please people and and do things the way i think people want me to do them um so that they perceive me as good or the way that like you know fits their you know fits their quota so to speak so can you kind of go into that yeah well this this discovery for me all started around a cab ride and i typically took a cab to the airport and remember I was traveling to a different city every year for almost 20 years every single weekend and so I always took the same cab company and um as I'm paying for the as I'm starting to write up the um the the credit card you know sign up on the piece of paper that they gave me the guy says oh I overcharged you by a dollar well let me have it back I'll redo it and you know when you're on your way to the airport there's no way you want to take time to do that So I said, no, I'll just leave it. And, you know, I added a little tip and I'm on my way. After I got checked in, I thought, wait a minute, I've taken that drive. Nobody ever makes a mistake by a dollar. You make a mistake with a zero before you're likely to make a mistake with a dollar. 
So I called the cab company and they said, well, do you have the receipt? And I said, sure. And I pulled it out of my pocket and I was astounded because he had overcharged me $2. Now I'm mad. Now I'm thinking, wait a minute, you know, this guy's a real crook. So I complained to them and uh, they finally say, well, look, do you want, we're not going to be able to erase the charge because you still owe us for that. But do you want us to take the tip away? And I did exactly what you just described. I thought to myself, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to not be, you know, I want to be a creep about it. So he can have his tip. I figured I'd already gotten him in trouble enough for overcharging me, right? Then I arrived at my destination and I'm telling this story to my host. And and the host says, well, you should hear what uh, Marie's mother did. And it turns out Marie's mother is a little old lady in Boston and she takes the cab to the airport. And this guy's driving way too fast. You know, her mother's really upset, keeps telling the guy, please slow down. I'm not in a hurry. You don't have to drive that fast, blah, blah, blah. So they finally get to the airport, and she gets out and starts to walk away. And the cab driver yells at her and says, hey, lady, where's my tip? So she marches back to the driver, and she punches him in the nose. This is like a 70-year-old woman. Nobody's going to ever get away with accusing her of battery, right? So what are they going to do? So she said, that's your tip. Now, I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, there is definitely a relationship between that cab driver and this cab driver, and I needed to understand why these two stories came together in this moment. So I always, I'm so curious. I always take these things into meditation, and I'm asking, you know, what, what's the deal here? And I was told that I was trying to be such a nice guy And I was told that, you know, when someone breaks their contract like that, you don't have an obligation to do what you would normally do with that person. And it it also reminded me that that I was trying to, um, you know, like be a good guy, like you said, to, to impress that I was always a nice guy. And I didn't need to do that because this guy wasn't a nice guy. It was a very interesting concept to me to be, you know, to be called out and trying to be a nice person. Because it isn't about being a nice person. It's about honoring your contracts and staying in your place of being centered, which is different than, you know, just trying to do something to make a point. Yeah, I think we've all been in situations where we've been at, say, a restaurant, you've gotten crappy service, and you feel like you need to leave at least the the this the expected tip, maybe not the, you know, 20, 25%, but at least maybe the 15%. And, you know, really, you feel like, well, I'm not really paying for what I got, but I don't want to be looked at as the bad person. I mean, I've done it a lot of times, but now I'm kind of in the mind frame of, well, I I don't care if you think I'm a bad person anymore because I know who I am and I know what I upheld and what you upheld and it's not aligning. <laughs> And so, exactly. it's yeah. not a match. So you're not judging. You're just saying this is not a match. Therefore, I'm not uh, obligated under any circumstance. And the other thing is, you're being true to yourself because you're saying to yourself, "Look, you know, I didn't get the service I was hoping for. I didn't get the service I was expecting, and that's okay. No judgment, but I'm not leaving you a tip either. I'm yeah. not going to judge you. And I'm not going to judge me. Yeah, I'm just not going to leave a tip. Yeah, Michael, have you ever had any experiences like that where uh, you felt yeah, the need I, to? Yeah, I just, I just. Uh... Don't tip. <laughs> Good. All in right, fact, you're ahead of the no, game. In fact, in uh, the, the first time I ever moved to Florida, I was 
culturally shocked about how they automatically put the tip on your bill. And there was such services that I literally had to negatively deduct the tip that they put on just because I'm like, screw you guys. No, I'm not tipping you. So I never had that problem to be an asshole. Well, you know, it's funny. Women, and I think I think it's easier for a man because women are more, we're raised to be pleasers. So, you know, our goal, you know, at least initially, we're, you know, we're kind of brought up to try to please. And, and boys are not given that expectation. So it's a little easier just to stick to your authentic self. So that's cool. Yeah. I'm glad you agree with my non-tipping skill. Thank you, Marie. <laughs> that's a really um, good point about women versus men, though. I mean, that's, it, a, really, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it definitely it's it, it definitely kind of crosses the genders that way. Um, Maureen, so if you know you're 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 kind of aware of this 3D, 5D now and you're working towards uh, I don't want to say working, but, you know, you're 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 putting effort into, um, you know, shifting into 5D more often than not. What are things that can disrupt you from 5D? Like when you're in 5D, because Lisa and I have got, like Lisa, you know, we've had these amazing like runs of weeks where we're feeling amazing. Everything's great. And then bam, into 3D. And you just don't even know like you're there yet. Right? I think I get knocked into 2D sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Is there such thing as 2D? <laughs> and it kind of looks like the Queen of Hearts in... Um, in um, Alice in Wonderland? Yes, thank you. Yeah, you know, if you saw the movie, you know, either the early one or the cartoon one or the, you know, the person one said that black quality. Um, yeah. so, so first of all, I want to point out that it's a lot easier to keep yourself in 5D than it is to, um, you know, pay attention or notice how you're going to get knocked into third dimension. Um, obviously, you need to do your work. A person needs to do their own work. And what I mean by that is, you know, if I was abandoned as a child, I need to do some inner work to heal that wound. Or, you know, if my husband cheated on me and I now feel betrayal, you know, I need to do that work. So certainly that's a way to be more available to a higher dimensional plane because it is our unhealed emotions that could trigger us into a lower vibrational state. The other thing is I will say that I recommend that people say to themselves when they go to bed at night, I am waking up in 5D. And that simple statement means that you're, you're setting the field so when you wake up, you're going to be in 5D. And it's up to you to maintain it. And, of course, that's why I talk about the, these words, you know, like instead of saying, uh, I have to, you know, I'm choosing or it pleases me or whatever you're going to say. Um, and, uh, you know, when something is, it, it feels good to you, instead of saying, well, that's the right way, you might say that's a match. Um, one of the ways that you can get pulled out of your 5D state is if there's drama around you. And people keep trying to pull you into it. Now, if you're if you're accustomed to staying in your 5D state, the drama whizzes by you like um, the bullets did in the Matrix with Neo. And if you remember in that first Matrix movie, when this first happened, he was you know kind of avoiding and kind of dancing around it, and even he was amazed. So the first thing that happens is when that stuff starts to happen, you're dodging it. 
and you don't even know you're dodging it. And it isn't until late at night when you're kind of laying in bed thinking about your day, and you go, whoa, I never used to respond that way. That's cool. So you, you're validating it, but not in the moment, because in the moment, when you're 5D, you don't notice you're being 5D, because then you would be in 3D. You That comparison actually drops you down. So that's another way to kind of get out of the habit of comparing things and uh, instead just be in the present. So if you want to stay in 5D, you focus on the now. You give up worrying about the past, you give up worrying about the future, and you stay in the now. It doesn't mean you don't make plans. It doesn't mean you don't uh, be proactive about your life. But it also means that you do what you need to do and then you get back right into the now. You know, And maybe the now does include scheduling your day tomorrow or the next day or whatever. Certainly people do that. But by choosing to stay in the present, in this joyful place, you know, you're, everything comes to you in a graceful way. You don't have to work hard. I mean, think about this. I somehow managed to not have my schedule uh, correct tonight, and yet I'd already taken care of my work at my desk. I'd had a really lovely dinner. My husband's away on a business trip, and we had a nice conversation. I was watching a TV show that I like on my computer, and then I get this text on my phone. I go, oh, I need to take care of this, and it was that easy. And that's what happens in 5D. You're just like, oh, you know, the surprises or the whatever, you're already ready for it. It's like effortless. And that's the best part. 5D is an F effortless. Right now we're in a lot of efforting. You know, we make a lot of effort. I think, you know, one of the things that I've realized over the past couple of days about, you know, being present and staying in the now and, and gratitude, it kind of, all the puzzle pieces seem to come together for me. You know how that happens some moments where I realized that if you just simply like look around you and appreciate like what you've created in this moment, like, Oh my gosh, look what I've created. Like, you know, whether it's the home that you're in or the people that you're sitting around, or I just have, you know, hot coffee in front of me and, and a friend to talk to and this computer that I can look up anything in the world. Like you just like, you get in these moments where you're just like, Oh my gosh, like this is kind of amazing that I created this for myself and you know, look what I'm doing. You just take those things that just we take for granted every day and you just break them down and you stay present in the now. And you're just like, are mesmerized, you know, like a child, like a child would be exactly. seeing, seeing say a butterfly for the first time or something. Yeah. Maureen, yes. can you talk about the difference between carbon-based DNA and crystalline DNA? That would be well, great. I don't know that I know that much about that, other than um, I have been told by my guides that we are moving to a crystalline-based DNA. Um, I was told to make a guided meditation called the Crystal Elohim, and that is a very powerful tool to take your DNA to another level. Um, I don't understand it. You know, a lot of things that I get in terms of information, I try to find a scientific basis or a scientific 
vantage point so I can express it to people because I care about people understanding. I don't like it when people are having this uh, approach, well, buy whatever I say, because I truly believe that people need to own it, and you can't own it if you're just following somebody else. So I don't know the answer exactly, other than I believe we are transitioning from this carbon-based DNA, which is 3D-based, to a crystalline-based uh, DNA, which is our original blueprint. The 12 strands versus the two, is that right? Yes, but then after the 12, there's even more. So, um, yeah, keeps going. You Okay, so you brought up the Elohim activation? Yes. I did that two nights ago. And? I have to tell you, Maureen, that that was amazing. Um, Lisa, I got to send it, the, the thing to you, and, I, and, and Michael, too. Um, I have never had a guided meditation like that one. That was actually really cool because it was energizing. Uh, <laughs> and I felt really high on life while it was happening, and I was excited, and I felt, oh, my goodness, buzzing like my whole body was buzzing and activating like the, the my head the top of my crown was was going on fire my hands everything and it was just so exciting and it moved fast and that was really interesting to me because usually when we think about meditation it's you know slowing the mind down bringing everything into center and not that this wasn't aligning everything into balance but it had a different speed to it, it had a different energy to it and it was really refreshing and um i i was like oh my gosh i gotta do this like every day uh it was really cool like i i have to say thank you thank you for that 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 meditation because i'm actually not a massive fan of guided meditations. There's a few that I really love, but for the most part, they just don't do it for me. But that one really did it for me. <laughs> I would love your your comments on that because I, um, you know, I, I agree that these meditations are all um, the the content is channeled. The music that I write is channeled, and um, I do all my own mixing and everything. And I made that CD a, quite quite a while ago. And when we were working on this book, I was told you need to make that that meditation available as one of the tools because people are going to need it. And um, I will tell you, I did that meditation every day for about three or four years. I did a number of things every year, every day for three or four years. And I also think that that really made the difference for me in terms of opening me up to the information that I've been able to garner and then translate. It was beautiful. And, and wow, you mixed it. So that, that makes it, you know, now I can see that. Like, that was really cool. It was really cool. It was, it was unlike any other meditation I've ever done before. Cool. Um, yeah, Michael, Lisa, you guys got to try it. It's it's and all our listeners, you got to try it. It's uh, it's called the meditation to the crystal Elohim, and and every time and I would say the word Elohim out loud, and I would feel my body just energizing. Um, yeah, yeah. And I have a story about a man that I was uh, acquainted with. He was my insurance salesman, and he had the worst week of his life, as he described it. You know, his wife 
filed for divorce. His business was doing, you know, had gone to the pits. He was self-employed. Um, his um, uh, something else happened. He was feeling sick, you know, physically not in shape. And he arrived at the base of a mountain for his men's group, and they were going to hike up the mountain on a Saturday. And he said, I was the least likely guy to do this because I'd had such a horrible week, but at the same time, I really needed it. And he said, I was the last one there, but I chanted the word Elohim under, you know, with every exhale, with every step. And he said, I was the first, I was the guy at the top of the mountain first. Oh, wow. Yeah. And conversely, (laughs) I got a call from a lady whose husband worked the swing shift, which means, you know, he works like eight till four for a week. And then he switches from four until midnight for the next week. And then from, I don't know, you know, like keeps moving through the clock. And she said that every time he would come in, like at 2 a.m., he would toss and turn and wake her up and disturb her. And, you know, she always hated it when he would have that, that cycle, that shift. And one night she was listening to it as she, after she had gone, when she'd gone to bed. And so she handed her iPod to her husband and the headphones and said, here, listen to this. And the next day he said to her, from now on, when I'm on second shift, I am listening to that CD. I had the best night's rest I've ever had. Yeah, I had amazing dreams. <laughs> cool. So um, where can we get this guided meditation? This well, sense? if you buy the book, um, and you guys have a copy, I believe, it's in the suggested resources on page uh, 234. And so the... Um, you just look, go on to the page that we tell you on my website, and you download it for free. Oh, okay, great. I just ordered the book. I should be getting it in today. There are so many free meditations that if you buy the book, you're actually getting money back because you're getting you know more in product on the other side of it um, just because I'm giving away so much stuff. But if you don't want to buy the book, then just buy the meditation and download it. It's you know, $9.99. So it's up to you. <laughs> yeah. Because it makes you know just all this stuff just makes me laugh um, um one of the things that i really want to encourage people to say instead of saying the right or the wrong to i invite you to say the word match that's a match for me that works for me i like, I like that yeah yeah and i heard someone else say something today and that is we do not resonate with that yes and to just say it that way instead of saying that's a bad idea <laughs> That doesn't resonate with me. (laughs) Yeah. That doesn't resonate with me. Um, Okay. This has come up in some of our conversations, Maureen. So, and I know Michael is trying to wrap his head around this. And Lisa and I are kind of starting to. And after reading your book, I kind of get it a little bit more. But can you talk about, because I've actually had this happen to me where... I know someone who's another me. <laughs> oh, you rock, girlfriend. That's awesome. Yeah. So can you talk about how, because Michael's going to have an issue with this. I know he's going to be like, what do you mean there's another me walking out in another body right now? Um, can you talk okay, about so, that? Yeah. Okay. So um, there is more than one version of every person in the reality right now. And there's also more than one version of you in other dimensions. So if you, if you were to draw an X on a piece of paper, there would be versions of you along the horizontal line and there would be versions of you along the 
linear, the, uh, 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 not horizontal. Vertical. But vertical, thank you. Now, you know, this, this whole business is so interesting to me because for me, these things got shown to me and told to me, and I'm looking around going, oh my goodness. So what I want to say is there's, when there's another version of you, it's one soul. It could be a person that is the antithesis of you, and the two of you are working on the opposite, you know, on the same subject, but at opposite ends. If you cross each other's paths, maybe you'll bring each other towards the middle. If you're the same uh, soul, you have an interest in similar subjects. So maybe the big picture is one way, and then the smaller versions of you are taking, I say the human versions of you are taking on various aspects of it. Um, I had an interesting experience with uh, two women, I'll call them Alice, and they both took a workshop with me in uh, Atlanta, and uh, one was a white woman and one was a black woman, but they were the same soul. They had the same birth date. They both wanted to host me, and I didn't get it right away until six months later when I got a, a note from one of them, and she said that she was on a flight to Mexico City, and she was in first class, and she was sitting at the window, and she looked across the aisle, and the other Alice was at the other window. Oh my gosh. First class. On the same flight from Atlanta to Mexico City. And that's when I went, oh my gosh, exactly. Now, <clears throat> what would be the benefit? One of the examples I have is an uh, author by the name of Robert Simcoe. And he wrote a bunch of books, but he's well known for this concept called The Return of the Revolutionaries. And I've been talking about this for 15 years. And this book claims that all the original people who were part of the American Revolution are back. So George Washington, Martha Washington, the Jeffersons, the whole, the whole slew of people are back. And he identifies who they are in this lifetime. It's a great read. You know, you can even go to his website, Return of the Revolutionaries, and, you know, start to look up people, and you're going to see some very cool stuff. Now, one of my students went to one of his lectures, and she went up to him afterwards, and she said, you know, I work with a teacher who says there's more than one version of you. I want to know what your take on this is. And he said, oh, I absolutely believe that. And then he proceeded to tell her that he was giving a lecture in Hong Kong when a man from India came up to him. And they started talking, and they had an instant rapport. They uh, were interested in the same subject area. And then the man in, in, uh, from, uh, from the U.S. who was lecturing in Hong Kong said, well, you know, this one area I kind of uh, set aside so I could focus on this other area. And the man from India, both of these guys are medical doctors. The guy from India says, oh, you know, that's the area I recently picked up. And I've been pushing that research. So I like to make this little joke. You know, you meet for coffee once a month, you know, up in the sky somewhere. And you say, you know, look, I'm, I'm wanting to focus over here, but I don't want to let this other piece slide. Do you want to pick it up? And, and your other version says, okay, I'll take that one up. Oh, and my I God, have... I love that analogy. <laughs> um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your story. I just I thought know, that was, was kind of cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, the thing that I'd like, you know, your listeners to get is the reason that this information is so important is that the rules have changed. The way we understand life, the way 
we interpret our interactions and the reality around us has dramatically changed so much so that it's like someone would say to you, look, there's not going to be any more football. There's going to be soccer, but there's no more football. Well, soccer has different rules. It's still a, go a game with a ball. It's still a goal line. There's still umpires, but the rules are a lot different. And so when you understand that the rules have changed, that puts you at the, at the front of the line or at the head of the curve. And then you're able to positively influence everyone else. The other thing that I had this huge aha on recently is the whole concept that as we start to accept and recognize that we really are playing a different game now, it means that the reality is changing. And oh, by the way, if the reality is changing and we are in a free will zone, it means that my accepting that the rules have changed had actually changes the reality, not only for me, but for others, because that my vibration spills out onto other people, just like yours does. Yeah. Okay. Michael, I, I totally agree with you, Maureen. Michael, do you understand what she's talking about? I'm following it. Do you, okay. So do you, when we say, um, when we say that, you know, for instance, you know how you have a soul, your higher self, right? And yes. you're trying to connect with your higher self. Do you realize that there are other people living on this planet who have the same higher self? <laughs> so you guys say. Well, how okay. many can there be? Is there like a a, I mean, I, I'm sorry. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10, I fully believe it. 1, I don't. I'm at a 1.5 on that one. <laughs> So, I mean, I just don't, I mean, because there was a, a mere coincidence of certain events, I, I, I really don't know the type of, I, I like to see a little more than, than just a couple of stories of, of coincidences that make people feel like they're connected at some sort of deep plane. I mean, we talked about this, Nicole, when it comes to the so-called twin flame stuff that you guys talk about and how I think it's ridiculous because I feel like it's just made up things that you guys want to say to make you feel like there's an important other person in this world or in this astral plane for you. I'm not seeing too much of a difference when it comes to this kind of, of conversation. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, totally. And, and uh, frankly, you know, I, I think that your position is understandable. And certainly, I challenge a lot of this myself because I don't want, I certainly didn't want to come out with this information uh, lightly. And from my perspective, I've seen more proof of people who are other versions of each other than I've ever seen in the whole concept of twin flames. I think twin flames, in a way, is a little bit idealized that there would be one perfect person for you. And frankly, based upon this new understanding that I'm holding about more than... Apparently there's 20 perfect people for another 20 perfect people or something like that. <laughs> exactly. And think about this. If, you know, if there's more than one version of you, and if you were someone's twin flame, then you know if you drop the ball, somebody else can pick it up. This oh, is yeah. true. This is true. You know, I, okay, so I have a friend who I was living with for a short period of time, 
And I remember when I first met her, I would listen to her talk and I I don't even know how to describe it. I'm listening to her talk and in my head I'm thinking, why do I feel like I'm looking at a 20-year-old version of myself or a 25-year-old version of myself? Like I feel like this was me when I was her age. And and, and I'm like, it's so crazy, the parallels. And there were so many parallels. And, and and the way she was thinking about things and the way she was so gung-ho about certain things and and so, um, I guess, had swung a pendulum to one way, which is what I totally did when, for instance, when I was learning about healthy food and and um, the the medical community and, and really wanting to swing the pendulum the other way to get away from what I was believing to be um, destructive and, you know, and then having to swing it back to find some balance somewhere that was livable and attainable and, and, and easy. And I was, I, I have, there were so many times where I looked at her while she was talking to me and thought, my God, I feel like I'm listening to myself. And I said this to one of our mutual friends and she said, Nicole, it's because she is another you. She's a multidimensional version of you. And it just floored me. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and it and are talking about it now. <laughs> yeah. And then and then that's and that's when it started to sink in. But it took a little while. Like like Michael, like I was a little bit resistant to it. I was like, hold on, no wait a second. There's only one me. You know, my ego kicked in. And I was like, yeah. no, 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 no. I know there's only one me and I'm here to do what I'm supposed to do. And 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 it just it it was hard for me to kind of, you know, accept that at first. But then the more that I kind of relaxed the ego and kind of was more exploratory about it it started uh-huh. it started to really make sense and mm-hmm. and then you know reading your book it really helped put things into perspective even further and oftentimes you will cross paths with another version of you like these two men you know it, who met up in hong kong are maintaining a friendship and a continuing uh you know perhaps liaison but you don't necessarily stay connected to the, that version of you. You came in with, you know, the big version or the big picture of it. You know, the, the drama that I experienced when I experienced another version of me who was not a nice person was pretty um, harsh because <clears throat> I had an experience with someone who had stolen from me and was this person was very attracted to me we set up a business together we got bought out he kept all the money and I got left out in the cold and I let it go I did my work on it I was fine with it you know everything was cool I asked in meditation what to do I was given guidance you know everything was cool and then you know some years later I'm in one of those exercises where you stare at someone and you get close enough that you're looking in their eyes and their face will morph and you will see other things. So the man who was looking at me saw this guy who was my former business partner. And this man had a scar on his face and it was very uh, easily uh, recognized. I mean, he didn't know who he was describing, but I could tell who he was describing. And so again, because I'm so curious, I asked in meditation, you know, why did that guy's face come up? Especially now, you know, where I don't have any energy on him. I haven't seen him in years, blah, blah, blah. And that's when I was told, well, he's another version of you. And I thought, oh, my God, 
He's a you-know-what, and it begins with the letter A, so you get the drift. And it was after that that I was at an event, and my guidance was, um, you know, ask angels what you can do for them instead of always asking them to do, do for you. So I, I did, and like I told, well, you need to connect with this guy again, and I thought, oh, please, you know, you know how I feel about him. Nope, you need to do that. So I went up to him at this event, and I said, you know, um, Maybe we should get together and just, you know, um, whatever. And he said, uh, all right, we'll call my office tomorrow and talk to my secretary and make an appointment. And I remember going out of this event really gleeful, thinking, great. I don't have to do it because I had already said to the angels, you know, it has to be by this date because I'm leaving town and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like doing a little happy dance thinking I'm not going to have to talk to him. And the next day I was uh, going to meet some friends for lunch but at the last minute, the location got changed, the hour got changed, and I'm standing at a buffet line in a Chinese restaurant on the other side of town. This guy and I both lived on the east side, and this was on the west side. And I backed up, and there was this guy, the same guy. And I just looked at him, and I thought, oh, my God. I agreed I would do it if we could land together on the same day. And... Since I couldn't make the appointment, the arrangement was changed. And on his side, okay, my appointment was changed, you know, location and time. And on his side, he went to the dentist and they said, no, uh, your dentist appointment's in until tomorrow at noon. So his wife sent him to the dentist a day early and he ended up at my luncheon place. So I had a conversation with him. You know, I, I did what I was supposed to do. And in the end... I think that I was very strict in my understanding of the letter of the law and my attempt to interpret it that way. And he was very loosey-goosey. You know, he'd, he'd adjust agreements based upon what his needs were, you know, and change things without telling you and said, oh, well, you know, uh, I needed to make X amount of dollars and I didn't, so I could only give you this much, even though I agreed originally to give you this much. And he did that with a lot of people, not just me. So for both of us, because of our experience at that time, and there was a whole bunch of other stuff that happened, I realized that I became less rigid in my own thinking, and he became more uh, centered and honoring of his agreements on the other side. So we worked to improve each other, Unre not realizing it. That was the message that I got, was that coming together in this case was a way for the other version of me to be balanced and for me to bring some more balance into me. I see that. Lisa, how, what are your thoughts on it? As far as the having more than one version of yourself here? Yeah, and that you could be working with another version of yourself to bring in harmony. I'm completely open to it. I, I don't, I can't think of a time that I've really experienced something like that, but I'm absolutely open to the idea. I mean, I know that there's probably more than two versions. I mean, I'm open to the idea there's numerous because we're living in many dimensions at the same time, right? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah the idea of one other does not shock me. <laughs> well, I, I experienced it or can think of someone who I thought was a version of me. I mean, I, I thought things like that. Oh, that person reminds me of myself when I was younger, but not to the point where I'm like, wow, you know, that's that, me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you're going to love the next question, Lisa, because I know you love this. So I've saved the best one for last. Um, Before we wrap up, Maureen, could you please tell us about the dragons and the serendipities? Uh, My pleasure. Yeah, because Lisa and I are huge fans of the dragons, right, Lisa? I I have it tattooed on me, so (laughs) a little bit of a fan. Cool. Well, the dragons showed up in my world in the sky, in the cloud shapes, and uh, I was at an outdoor park uh, in uh, north of New York City. It's a beautiful place where there's huge sculptures like calders and things like that. There's several, you know, like maybe 20 or 30 acres, and all of a sudden I could see all these dragon shapes in the sky, and I said, you know, what is this? What's going on? And I started getting very specific messages that the dragons were back and that they had been chased out of the reality by the religious traditions in order to uh, create a reality that wasn't based on fact. And, And so the dragons stand for clarity and wisdom. And, you know, if you're trying to hide the truth or use religion to acquire political uh, events, then the dragons would be in the way because they would help humanity know the difference between, you know, what would be considered accurate information. So they're back now because humanity is ready to wake up to who they really are. Humanity is ready to discover the truth of the reality they are in and to make changes. And I don't know, you know, I don't even know if my husband really believed in the dragons, but I kept talking about it. And he he said to me one day when we were driving down the road and we were in Seattle and there was like a six lane highway next to us. And we were on the surface street that had four lanes and it was maybe five miles long and every block had a, had a red light. And he said to me, oh, honey, you're going to have to call on the dragons. Look at this mess. And I said, oh, that's a great idea. And I did. And I just called them in and said, you know, I'd like some help. And I'd like all the people who were stuck in traffic. And literally, the freeway was like frozen. It was like a parking lot. You know, everybody gets to move, and we'd like some help here. And every single light for like five miles turned green and stayed green. And my husband said, I have never seen anything like that in all the years I've been driving in the city. And that's kind of what I realized, oh, he didn't expect that to happen. He didn't have any, you know, he didn't have any hope for anything, but he figured, okay, she's my magic woman. I'll just ask her to fix it and see what happens. <laughs> and that's, that's something, Michael, you can do. Because even if you don't believe in all this stuff, and I don't blame you for not believing it, it's totally cool. But if you get stuck in traffic, and practically everybody does at some point in their life, and you really want to be somewhere else, you want to get to where you're going, just to say, okay, this woman, Maureen St. Germain, says there's dragons that can help me. I'm calling in the dragons and asking her dragons or my dragons, whoever, to step in and make a difference. You watch and see what happens. All right, Maureen, you got it. I'll, I'll try it. I want to hear from you when it happens. All right, I will. And you know, there's another cute story in the book about a husband who also, you know, was totally doubting Thomas, but he had this horrible New England drive all the way through these, you know, little tiny streets and 
you know, people pull out in front of you and all kinds of wacky stuff happens. And it was always like this awful commute. And so one day he said to himself, I'm going to at least give this a shot because I hate this ride. And he couldn't believe it. People would wait for him or no one would pull out. You'd expect them to pull out in front of you and they don't. He, he was totally blown away. So you say that like the, so the dragons have come back. Where did they go? They moved to a higher dimensional plane because they are, uh, they are free will beings, but they don't have a, a, a plan or a need to e uh, evolve the way we are. And they are able to assist humanity. Um, so they, they've moved back closer to third dimension, which is why they can uh, be called upon to help. Um, so you can ask for your dragon. You can ask your dragon what his name is, but don't tell anybody because it's the equivalent of being uh, of giving them the power over your dragon. And some people have the gift of sight. They can actually see them. And that's always very cool when you ask for your dragons to show themselves to you. And if you have the inner sight to have them show up, it's pretty amazing. Now, one other thing we didn't talk about, and that's the serendipities. And I know you asked me, so I'll just make it quick and tell you that there's these high-level beings that are in the 11th dimension. And I didn't realize we were actually calling them in by a certain prayer that I do. But I was naming uh, that, you know, there's certain energy coming in from the 11th dimension that's, ser that's serendipities. And they appeared to someone else first. And this woman is, is on my team, and she's one of the people that I've trained. And she alerted me to this energy and what was going on. And then when I was in a very wacky situation where I could have gotten arrested in China, I called in the serendipities and everything got handled. Do I have time to tell what happened? Yeah. Of course. Oh, no, we've got time. There's no limit here. It's just uh, by it's all just means. It's just 12.25 a.m. my time, but go ahead. <laughs> all right, Michael. So what happened is... My host was new in, at, at what she was doing. And in Beijing, there is a rule that when you have an event there, you must uh, file a paperwork to explain what your event is and then identify if there's any foreigners and if the people are from your company or whether they're from, you know, just random. And uh, my host had filled out the form and she had said accurately, you know, that I would have 150 people in my class. But she said there were no foreigners. Well, obviously, I'm a foreigner. I mean, you can't hide me, blonde and five foot seven. And um, there were two other foreigners that I brought with me. One was my translator and one was my companion. And so those two people were also foreigners. And she also said that, um, what else did she say? Uh, Oh, she said that it was all her company employees and there were people from all over China at this event. So they are required to have security and the security um, team, you know, could see how people were mobbing me for book signing and things like that. So they, they said to the um, police, because they have to report back to them, uh, you know, there's something funny about this group. You might want to check them out. So the police chief calls that girl who did the thing and she didn't know what to do when the police called. So she handed the phone to her business partner 
And the police chief asked her, well, you know, there's four, you know, tell me about your group. You know, do you have any foreigners? And she said, oh, yeah, I've got three foreigners. And she explains that. And then he says, well, you know, where are these people from that are here? And, and you know, if they were all my company employees, they wouldn't be mobbing me for my signature if you follow all that. So he asked about that. And she said, oh, no, no, these are people from all over, all over. And so the police chief says, well, I'm going to have to shut you down because that's not what this form says. And the form is not filled out accurately. We simply cannot have that kind of inaccuracy. Uh, you know, we might not have approved this event. So <clears throat> the whole workshop got shut down. But before <clears throat> any of that happened, he said to her, I want you to come in and talk to me. You come in tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock when we open. So the... Um, Lady went in, and then she came back, and she said, well, they're going to come by the hotel. They want to interview you at 1 o'clock. And, um, you know, we told them that, you know, you were just visiting, and you had done a class in Taiwan, and now you were doing a class. You know, you were just visiting us in China. You were just checking it out. Well, when I had put this information on my website, I'd asked my higher self, do I post both my China class and my Taiwanese class? My guidance was just post the Taiwan class. Do not announce your Chinese class. So, so <clears throat> these people were so bent out of shape, you know, getting these phone calls at 10 o'clock at night and getting very worried that I explained to them that they needed to do energy work on these two guys, the police chief and the head of security, and to clear them of any dark energies. And then uh, I would do what I could to support them uh, having everything work out. So I fell asleep after they left and I got woken up and I saw a, a picture in my mind of these beings that were kind of floating away. They were Chinese people that were like kind of floating away above me like in smoky kind of shapes. And I said, well, what is that? And they said, well, that's all the energies that are being cleared off of these two guys. And I thought, well, that's cool. And then I saw these beings and they, they kind of looked like these neon, shapeless beings. And they came into the space and they laid out what looked like a picnic uh, cloth, you know, tablecloth. And then they were doing something on the, the cloth. And then they pulled up the corners little by little. And suddenly the, that whole cloth, which really was a piece of paper, got um, kind of dissolved. And then they went away. And I said, well, what was that? What was they seeing? And I was told, well, that's the serendipities. And they handled the paperwork. So... The next day, when the police were going to interview me, I got very clear, no, I'm not going to be here. So I went on a, a trip to go see one of my business contacts in Beijing that I had bought product for my store with. And they couldn't, because I wasn't there, then they checked me out remotely and they looked at my passport information and all that. And they, they said, oh, she's fine. And the proof of that, is my host was worried that I would get in trouble and I was worried that she was in trouble because they could literally have arrested her they could have put me in jail because I was there on a tourist visa so then the next trip I decided I was going to get a business uh, visa and establish that I was a trainer and that I was also you know there buying things so that it would there would be no question about what I was there for. So you can't tell me I'm not permitted because you've already signed off on it. 
And my host kept saying, there is no way you're going to get a business visa. You know, they know who you are. They know your record, blah, blah, blah. I have a business visa from China. And it was all because of serendipity stepped in and made the difference. And their energy is very, very interesting. They are good at solving any kind of problem, especially any kind of problem that involves red tape. So you're saying call in the serendipities then when there is a lot of red tape to get through? I Yes, I would say that for sure. And I would also say, you know, if there's, you know, if there's stuff that's like, you know, what's the word I want? Fudging the um, edges of what the powers that were would like you to follow. And you're worried that maybe it's going to be a problem or that they're going to notice something that seems irregular. And in China, it's a pretty big deal. It's a really big deal, actually. Um, you know, a very famous um, spiritual teacher was arrested for not following these protocols. And I won't say his name, but I have it on. on, on it's very good, uh, very accurate information. And I knew that that was a possibility that uh, could happen to me, but it didn't. And I'm giving credit to the serendipities. Well, I can think of a couple situations where I could call them in. <laughs> um, wow, that's really cool. I know, like, um, Lisa, ha like you mentioned earlier with the dragons, um, Lisa, you've seen dragons in the clouds, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, several times when I'm, like, speaking to my dragons, it just, it blows my mind. Yeah. That, that they're there. You know, they just show up, so... And I've and got I a in my eye as well. So sorry, yeah. And and Marina, I'm gonna text you a picture. I have a dragon that showed up on my closet. <laughs> so I gotta, yeah, I gotta show you that picture. I was literally sitting on my bed, and then I looked. Something just made me look to the closet, and I saw it instantly. And I thought, my gosh, I know that that's the markings have been there. But I've never seen it like, like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I showed it to Lisa. Lisa's seen it. And um, I showed it to another girlfriend of ours um, who is into the dragons as well. And it was kind of unmistakable. But uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I think that really helps um, take a deeper dive into Ascension and 5D, 3D and all the other Ds. <laughs> um where can people it it complicated yeah sure. exactly where can people find out more information about you and uh is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience about anything you're you've got coming up or anything like that sure um first of all you can buy my books uh on my website maureenstgermain.com you can buy them on amazon it's available both in print and in kindle you can buy it in any bookstore barnes and noble has it um, probably if, if chapters doesn't have it, they will have it soon. And, um, I do have events coming up. I'm doing a, a, a fundraiser in New York city for the Edgar Casey center. I sit on their board of directors and I'm doing a trade, a full day training on breaking out of the 3d matrix into your 5d self. That will be November 19th in, in Manhattan. I'm also going to be at the Conscious Life Expo in Los Angeles, uh, February, I believe it's February 7th of 2018. 
And, uh, you know, if somebody knows somebody in Asia, I'm going to be in Hong Kong and China the month of January. So they can take classes from me there. I'll be teaching Akashic Records and also um, the advanced, the 5D Merkaba and things like that. Ooh, that brings up, would you come back on our show to talk about the Akashic Records? I would be very honored to do that, yes. Because that's something that's really cool. Um, that would be great. Uh, so okay, that's something to look forward to then. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on. Michael, Lisa, did you guys have any questions you wanted to ask before um, we sign off? No, I don't I don't have any. I'm excited to read your book, though. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to read it before you were on our show, but um, I just ordered it, and I should have it tomorrow, I hope. Excellent. And, and I'd like to leave the listeners with, you know, if you do nothing else, just say, I'm asking for a day of heaven on earth for me and everyone I come in contact with, and everything will shift. Yeah, I've been saying that. It's beautiful. Um, Michael? That's a good way of ending it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening to the show today. Uh, we're going to leave a lot of those links for you in the show notes. So if you missed any of the information, uh, we will have it in the show notes where you can find it. And uh, there is also a lot of information about Marine on our website. So you can look for any further details there as well. Uh, if you have any topics or show ideas that you'd like, like to send in to us, please send them into info at enlightenup.us. And of course, please, uh, if you'd like to stay updated on anything going on between episodes, you can follow us on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Twitter. And uh, I think that's about it. So thanks everyone for listening. Maureen, thanks for being such an awesome guest. We loved having you on and we look forward to having you back for an Akashic Records session. Sounds awesome. I look forward to it as well. Take care. And you know what? My book on Akashic Records is actually in Chinese already, even though it's not out in English yet. Wow. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I have four books in Chinese. It's funny. You go, girl. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Marine.